Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's Brendan Escott here with you the rest of the way on Oilers Now. It's a game day. Team uh, continuing a southeastern road trip. Game three of four tonight. Carolina is the opponent. Five o'clock the time here on 6.30. Chad, our coverage starts with the City Ford Faceoff show at 3.30. Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years now. There's a menu and a list of their 15 Edmonton and area locations available online at royalpizza.ca or you can download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. I believe they're up to five locations in Calgary as well. We've got uh, NHL NHL Today coming up a little bit later on, but right now we'll head to our uh, NHL insider, that being John Shannon. For legacy heating and cooling, whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy heating and cooling. John, always appreciate a chance to talk to you how's it going today i'm great brendan how are you things are uh, they're going well i mean we're trying to stay warm in this neck of the woods but uh, uh, vie, i'm not even going to bring up the weather <laughs> uh, i'm not going to bring up the weather because bob got everybody ticked off on monday when he told us how nice it was in washington mm-hmm. you know and then he went to tampa and now he's in raleigh and i'm sure it's nice and warm there so i don't like to you know the listeners are it can be very critical i don't like to pick on them <laughs> That said, it's plus 21 here in Toronto. Oh, boy. That's quite the heat wave deep in the season there. Uh, Maybe not so much on the ice, but at least in the atmosphere. Um, Let's start with the Oilers, though, and uh, the news. I'm not sure whether we got your full take on the Evander Kane incident or uh, maybe we'll just get right to the the update, and that is three to four months sidelined. His health going to, uh, to recover, that being the first priority, obviously, and then you look at the team and how they're going to recover as well. Yeah, I'll tell you what, as soon as he went down uh, on the ice, you knew something was wrong. Uh, You know, whether just in in watching him react even before the replays. And that's as scary as it gets in our our game, uh, Brendan, when you consider how quick and how uh, uh, sharp skate blades can be and let's just hope that uh, there's no nerve damage let's just hope that uh, the surgery was completely successful and when he does come back in three to four months uh, he's uh, back at the level he was before he 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 got hurt you know the the most recent one like this Ilya Mikheyev uh, when he was with the Maple Leafs has come back and and it has little or no effect now so hopefully a similar situation uh, can be for Evander Kane. And these incidents are, are fairly few and far between fortunately in the NHL I think back to you know Richard Zednick as being a prominent one and 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 equipment wise they've done things over the years to try and evolve with the Kevlar socks so that the Achilles is protected and that sort of thing but you know players are I think that there's always maybe not with every player right maybe not until a player experiences a significant injury but it seems like less is more when it comes to equipment and then all of a sudden you're getting stepped on so you know do you think that as time goes on that we're going to see players taking more protective measures themselves whether it's some sort of undershirt or something like that that can prevent this in the future 
Well, at, at a certain point, uh, I think you do have to look at your safety. Um, but, you know, we've gotten to this point because players and the level of skill in the game have improved so much because they can stick handle better. And so the shorter cuffs on the gloves uh, created, you know, this uh, exposure of, the, of the, the, the lower arm and the wrist to these types of things. Is there such a thing yet as a, a, a Kevlar um, you know, sock to put over your, your forearm? You know, you have to think that at a certain point, someone, if, if it hasn't already been in development, it will be in development. You know, there were, there were things like, like plastic wrist guards, but again, when it limits the mobility of your wrist, then it affects your, uh, your handling of the puck. And, and you know as well as I do, Brendan, uh, the skill level of players is something that they want to make sure that is still exposed. Not not the teams of the league, but the players themselves want to make sure that they can still move their hands and wrists properly, and, and that becomes the challenge. At a certain point, you know, the NHL can't legislate all this equipment. You know, the, you know, the players have to agree with it. Uh, I still remember uh, uh, Jay Feaster, who was when he was general manager in Calgary, was so mad one day he he walked in and demanded that every one of his players in the on the Calgary Flames in the dressing room put on uh, ankle protectors for blocking shots. Uh, only to be told the day later is the players association have filed a grievance and you're allowed to do that. <laughs> so uh, that's the type of thing that teams uh, are up against at times and and you know it, it is up to the individual player to protect himself to a certain point um, you wonder what you know when Evander does come back what will he wear on his wrists and, and forearms in order to protect himself it, it's a, it's a very complex understandable issue that each individual player has to address. Yeah, I think it's a very intimate thing when I think, John, about being in that dressing room post-game and seeing the equipment that these guys wear. You know, a lot of the time it is, it's stuff that looks like they've been wearing for 10 or 12 years, and I'm sure that that has been the case because that familiarity, that uh, comfortability, that's something they want the continuity in, and introducing new protective measures obviously limiting that. But I do wonder, you know, you, you see the eye injuries and you think about someone like Brian Burrard and yet we're not at a point where the NHL has implemented cages for example so the players having the end of the say uh, or the say at the end of the day being the ones that of course take the brunt of the risk as well no but 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 you know I'm I'm of a vintage where two things we we used to have giant arguments should everybody wear helmets <laughs> You know, and then we went through. Then we went through the phase of should everybody wear visors? Right. You know, this is an evolution of the game uh, in, in so many ways that, and now both are grandfathered in, and only players of a certain vintage don't have to wear visors. And if memory serves me, I think there are only six or seven players in the whole league at this point that don't have visors everybody else has to wear a visor so uh, there are certain protections that are in place uh... it has you know unfortunately it was reactive rather than proactive but at the same time it has certainly i'm sure saved a few uh, careers 
and without being too high, too much hyperbole, probably saved a life or two. Chatting with our NHL insider John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Uh, what this does obviously is open up a big gap in the Oilers in terms of productivity, in terms of an energy guy. There is there is suddenly a void to be filled, and I look at some young players on this team, and and in particular right now it seems like Dylan Holloway will get the first right of refusal at whether he can hang on to this spot. Uh, let's start there, John, with a thought on his fit on that line uh, if it sticks for a little bit, uh, and that being uh, Dreisaitl and and uh, Zach Hyman as well. I think we saw that in the preseason. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If if Dylan can get the puck away quickly, he could be there a long time because we know he's got a good shot. Uh, Zach Hyman was, is going to do all the, all the heavy lifting. Leon's going to be the guy getting them the puck right on the blade. And if Holloway could shoot the puck, man, oh man, this could be a this could be a really really positive scenario. I can tell you right now that in discussions I had with people uh, when I was in Edmonton last week, that th- 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 there were internal thoughts that hey, listen, we know we got Holloway as the number four center right now, but is there a way we can move him up into the top six? Uh, does that make sense? Do and and they were I think they were probably waiting. Um, just to see how much how much maturation in the short term he was going to be at center, um, but now it's not just a, a, a time of patience; it's a time of necessity. So, this is one where you know Dylan Holloway can make the most of this. This could really work out well for the Oilers uh, and him because we all know we, we we know the numbers. We saw him at Wisconsin. We saw what he can do uh, when he's in a good spot. If he could shoot the puck. And, and use that quick release uh, to get a buy a few goaltenders, uh, then he's going to make a few people happy in this organization. So I, uh, I want to know who he reminds you of when he's out there on the ice. It looks a little bit like a kamikaze attack on the forecheck at times, and I think that this is a byproduct of a young player learning to navigate the NHL ice service at a very high speed, and we've seen this before. Who do you uh, liken his game to? Yeah, that's an interesting one because I I haven't you know because you, when you put it do you put him on the wing or you put him at center? No, I'm thinking of um, him on the wing right now. Yeah, so am I. Uh, and uh, you know, to be honest, I haven't given it much thought. But when when you look at his skill set and his ability to skate, uh, there there is and and I'm not sure we're gonna we've seen him at the size that he's going to be when he is a regular pro. I suspect that he'll put on 10 to 15 more pounds. I don't know about you, Brendan, but I think that that's a big part of being a power forward in the NHL. Um, so from, from that perspective, does he, does he skate and, and, and shoot the puck like a Jeremy Roenick? Is there somebody out there that, uh, uh, of, of that ilk? Um, but you know what? He has an opportunity to make a difference. He really does. He, 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 can, he can actually um, enhance what the Oilers have. And particularly if he's given the a little bit of time in this in the injury time for Kane uh, to develop into a a big six rather than a big five as we talked about for most of the part of the season. And if you can start insulating that with production from guys like if he's healthy Yamamoto, if we can get on the score sheet Pulleyarvi, and if we can see Warren Fogle's big game continue over, John, what did you think of his his reaction uh-huh. to that goal and, and his response? I think to the response of taking on penalty kill minutes. I'll tell you what. Um, I, 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 
The patience that the team has showed with Fogel is is uh, honorable. Uh, and all he has to do is something like he did in Tampa the other night uh, to make people think is this is why he's a pro. I mean, use the big body. Uh, use the shot. You know, he, he, he can skate. Um, and, and trying to get that confidence to a point where he, he's just going to the net more. We saw that a couple of times. Um, and, you know, now you have to reinforce that. Reinforce those messages. Hey, Warren, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Don't give up. Uh, and, it, and, you know, most of these guys, um, they, they, they will take advantage of the opportunity. Giving him extra PK time um, in the end looks like a genius move now. Um, but at the same time, I, I believe that was out of necessity as well, based on what they did in Washington. Um, so from that perspective, Fogel to me is one of those guys that I know there's been frustration in the fan base. He's one of those guys I, I, I think that once he gets streaky, once he gets going, because streaky in Carolina he was, that uh, he, he could be a, an X factor for this team. The two guys, you know, you've already mentioned, I think, both of them. The two guys that need to up their game are Pugliarvi and Yamamoto. You know, they they have been given every opportunity. You know, they need to be better. They need to shoot the puck more. You know, Pujarvi needs to use his body more to think smarter uh, on the ice. Um, and, and Yamamoto just, uh, you, you know, he, they're starting to grip the stick a bit too much. And they've got to just go out and play the game. Because that's how they got to the NHL. They played the game well when they were in their respective countries and they did a magnificent job but now they're overthinking and now as soon as you know when you take that extra second or second and a half to think in this game you're done and that's got to go away before they become more effective one more question for you john or maybe a couple spurring from the same idea here chatting with our nhl insider john shannon but he was our soccer insider on his own podcast earlier in the week. John Herdman joining you and Bob McCown. And, and what an honor that must have been to talk to, to John Herdman. His, his coaching philosophy so lauded around these parts. I wonder what part of that interview stood out to you the most. There's a part about 15 minutes in where I was absolutely enraptured with his discussion of how to motivate people and how to keep people together. Uh, we've had John on twice uh, on the show, once before the two games in Edmonton before Christmas, uh, and then uh, yesterday when he was in Bahrain. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's one of those guys, that, uh, as a motivational speaker, that I would actually go and pay and listen to. It is a phenomenal listen. Uh, and I can see why he had such success with the women's team, I can see why he's having success with this team. And, they, you know, the history of, uh, of soccer in our country on a national level, Brendan, uh, has not been very good because there were too many egos involved. There were was, there was too, many, too many characters pulling the, the team in different directions. He's been able to galvanize that group. And his description of how to galvanize that group and how to manage people, to me, was absolutely phenomenal. And by the way, uh, I, I, th I told this story on television last week. Um, uh, Jay uh, talks about you know learning from other coaches. Eric Spolster is the obvious one because he had communication with him. He loves Sean McVay, the coach of the Rams, and he mentioned John Herdman. Uh, that he's heard uh, he's heard John Herdman a couple of times and just absolutely loves 
what Herdman brings to the game to the point where last night after the show aired, I sent Jay a copy of the podcast hoping he would enjoy it. Great stuff, John. You know we always appreciate your appearances here on Oilers Now and on the Faceoff Show. We'll hear you again in just a little while. Thanks very much. Right on. Cheers. John Shannon, our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Getting late. Early. No, it's getting late, late here in Oilers Now. Back in a moment. It's a game night, Bob, on the color commentary for Cam Moon as the Oilers try and take game three of a four-game Southeastern road swing there in Carolina tonight. Already facing uh, the Hurricanes for the second time this year. Beat them at Rogers Place. We'll try and duplicate that now at, uh, what is it called, PNC Arena? That sounds about right. Close enough. (laughs) Five o'clock puck drop. 3.30 is when our coverage starts. Not too far down the road here on 6.30, Chad. This day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. This January, you can join Oilers now on a three-night road trip to Las Vegas. See the Oilers play the Golden Knights. New West Travel, uh, rather, you want this New West Travel package, you can give them a call or uh, visit newwesttravel.com. Back to 1995 we go. The Oilers opening the scoring with a shorthanded goal from Captain Kelly Buckberger and battle to a 4-4 tie after 60 minutes against the Lightning at the Thunderdome in Tampa Bay. They were on this uh, road trip at that point as well. 2.34 into overtime, Jason Arnott beat Derek Wilkinson in the Bolts net for a 5-4 win. Todd Marchand ejected with uh, 426 left in the first, picked up an instigator, dropped the gloves with Alex Selivanov. All right, tonight it is once again the Oilers and Carolina. Reed Wilkins with the City Ford Faceoff Show at 3.30, 5 o'clock. It's play-by-play Saturday. There's a matinee in Florida against the Panthers there's also a hurricane heading toward the state, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, anything changes, we'll let we'll you know. Up next, a global news weather traffic update, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, and then a very short edition of 6.30 Jet Afternoons with Jayla Nye. We're a best of show tomorrow. Happy Remembrance Day. Take a moment and reflect. We're back live on Monday. So long.